All right, we are live. Good evening, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is having a blessed evening as we are. As always, we'd like to say praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for yet another day in the land of the living and another chance to get our acts together. Today is June 15th, 2023 and week 228. If you're new around here, welcome to Joy in the Midst of the Storm. This is a program where we like to do weekly live stream Bible studies and shortly upload audio versions to every major podcast platform shortly thereafter. If you've been with us for a while, you know the drill. As we always like to say, welcome back. Thank you guys for tuning in week in and week out trying to hear what thus says the Lord. And we have an early comment um, from Vanilla. Um, she says, praise the Lord. Saints, praise the Lord to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. So as you can see from the title, we'll be talking about apple of the eye. So without any further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Minister Tony Banks. We can go ahead and get started with this evening's message. As always, I hope and pray that you guys get something out of it. Thank you, Marilyn. Let us go into a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for how you bless us, Lord. We thank you for how you've watched over and for how you've kept us, Lord. We thank you for um, just helping us to be in our right minds, Lord. So much is going on in the world, so many disasters, um, so many things that uh, would cause us to be in a state of depression, a state of being stressed um, uh, as, as we're having to make different decisions, as we're having to um, just figure out life. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you for just being with us, Lord, for uh, giving us a mind to continue on, for giving us a mind to not give up and throw in the towel. Lord, we're praying that no matter what happens to us in this life, that you would continually remind us that there is a reason to have joy in the midst of every storm. Lord, we're praying for the Bible study tonight that your word would go forth, Lord, that only you would increase and we would all decrease, Lord. Help this thing to not be about us, not be about us individually, but about you, Lord. Help us to continue to point uh, people to you uh, through our life, through our words, through our actions, Lord, through everything we do. Uh, Lord, we want to be found pleasing in your sight. So, Lord, we're praying all these blessings in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to get into it tonight. Thank you guys again for tuning in into another week's Bible study. Um, I'm, I'm grateful. I do thank God for this privilege. Um, I, I know these are numbered. I can't say how many uh, more Bible studies there will be, but I know my days are numbered. Um, and so whatever the case may be, even if I do a Bible study all the way to the day I die, I know it's numbered. And so. I do thank God for the opportunity to be able to talk to his people. We are the people of God. Uh, we are his children, black, white, uh, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter, African-American, Caucasian, doesn't matter which group, which nationality, which ethnicity, uh, male, female, whatever it is, we are the people of God. He created us. Now, we have to make a choice to decide, do we want to follow him? And that's a big decision. You know, th this is the biggest decision that anyone will ever make. I know we are uh, praying about different decisions. We're praying about different paths. We should, uh, should we go down? Should we do this? Should we do that? Uh, we're continually praying. We're continually seeking counsel for so much. But, you know, the biggest decision that you will ever make is not, are you going to move to Chicago? It's not, are you going to go to California? Are you going to work in this field? Are you going to work? It's not that. Now that's a decision. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize that. But the biggest decision we will ever make is, am I going to actually do what God says or not? That's the biggest decision. And so once we begin to understand this and believe it, believe it, once we begin to believe this, everything in life uh, just begins to fall into place. Things become easier. Uh, we, we begin to lay down those things that continually burden us, continually trouble us, cause us not to be able to sleep at night. You know, we need God's help. And so uh, if you are here tonight, if you listen to this, uh, whenever you may find yourself listening to it, I hope and pray that uh, this would give you some type of comfort, that this would give you some type of uh, knowledge 
own following God um, and just the help that you need. So we're going to get into it tonight. We're talking about uh, something that <laughs> something that uh, a, a, a lady wants to be to her to her husband. She wants to be the apple of his eye. We're going to pick it up tonight in the book of Psalm, chapter 17. Uh, let's see what it says here in verse 8, Mel. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Mm-hmm. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Keep me. Now, that's important. The writer here said, keep me as the apple of the eye. See, a lot of times when a guy likes a, a, a lady, um, she has, she is the apple of his eye. He can't keep his eyes off of this lady. But you know, something happens to where a lot of times she no longer is the apple of his eye. The writer here says, keep me. Now, he's not talking about a lady. Um, he's talking about God. He's telling God, keep me in your will. Continue to uh, give attention towards me. Continue to supply my needs. Continue to help me. Continue to be there for me. You know, this is what we need from God. We need his help. We need his comfort. We need his relief. Uh, we need his problem solving. Um, I seen something, uh, someone talking about a guy being a handyman, a guy being a mechanic and electrician and all these different things. Look, no, no person in this world doesn't matter how much he or she can do. We still need God to help us because there's something we don't know how to do. So the writer here says, keep me as the apple of the eye. What, what caught my attention here is that as I began to look at humanity, at us as people, all of us have certain things that are the apple of our eyes, something that just, just captivates your attention, something that captures your attention, something that when you see it, you just have to focus on. See, a guy might feel that way about, uh, a husband might feel that way about his wife. Um, you have some guys, they really love cars. That, that, that nice car, that Mercedes Benz, that, that Escalade, that whatever that car is. Some guys really love trucks. They love the trucks lifted high off the ground. Uh, the scripture talked about <laughs> Uh, the Lord being high and lifted up. Look, that's how people like their trucks. A lot of folks like their trucks, 10 feet off the ground. These things catch God's attention. They said, man, I need the big rims. It's the apple of their eye. Every day they walk out of the house, they got to get that truck clean. They got to get it spotless. They want to see their reflection in the chrome. It's the apple of someone's eye. There's so many different things that catches people's attention. There's certain things that get women's attention. Now, these things are just general things. So I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to say every person, every male is this way or every female is this way. That's not the case. But generally speaking, you have uh, women, they like, uh, a lot of women or certain women, they like nice things. They like finer things. They like some nice furniture, nice lamps, nice decorations. These are certain things that catches certain women's eye. So when we look at this, the apple of people's eyes, it can be so many different things. So many different things. Even me becoming a musician. These are things that I'm looking for now. Look, it, it, kept, it catches my attention. Some people, they don't focus on that type of stuff. You know, I was uh, with someone and they, they seen a house, a uh, person seen a house, and I could instantly tell it's the apple of their eye. They were so fascinated about, wow, look at that house. 
man, the house is so big. Man, I really want me one like that. Man, sometimes when I see it, I'm wondering, what am I doing with myself? See, it's the apple of someone's eye. That very nice house. That very nice yard. See, some people, some people, Melvin, they're real particular about their lawn, their yard. They say, look, I have to keep this grass cut every week. I've got to uh, spray different uh, fertilizers and different things on the grass so that the weeds don't grow. I don't want to see any brown spots in the grass. Look, you know, it gets, people get creative. Look, as people, we are creative. We are creative. Look, there are certain houses and certain yards that you will drive by. You'll see diamonds cut into the yard. They'll cut patterns. <laughs> the man can't go out there and just cut the yard any old way and get all the grass level. No, he's got to cut patterns in the yard because it's going to set someone apart. I heard a lady one day talk to me about how she wanted um, uh, some type of trees, these, these trees that were in pots. She wanted them to be so tall because she said she wanted someone to notice her house from the road. They, she wanted them to notice those plants, those trees that were in those pots. Now, these were not real. These were fake trees. But she wanted someone to notice the decorations all the way from the street, all the way as they're passing by. It's the apple of a lot of our eyes. There's certain things that just catches our attention. We'll stare at it. We'll dream about it. We'll think about it all night long. We'll think about it when we wake up. It's the apple of someone's eye. Look, a guy, once he starts lifting a few weights, he becomes the apple of his own eye. <laughs> He's looking in the mirror. <laughs> you go to the gym. Guys are constantly walking around looking at themselves. They, they've lifted two weights. They did two reps. They're already looking. Did I already grow some? <laughs> they have not gotten far in the workout at all. But now they're interested. Let me see how I'm looking. Let me see how good I'm looking. The apple of someone's eye. See, there's just certain things that attract certain people. Some people love a cigarette. Some people love a beer. Some people love some uh, something to drink, something to smoke. Some people love just certain things. Look, some people love just caffeine. They, there's just certain things. Some things might be right. Some things might be wrong. But the point I'm trying to stress is there are just certain things that catch our attention. But, you know, as I, I've listened to people talk, I, even as I listen to that person talk about how nice this house was and uh, the, the, the mansion and this, that, and the other. And now, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with a nice building. But you know, what bothers me is that when it comes to God, he's not the apple of our eye in that way. He's not. That's what bothered me. Not that somebody likes a nice house. I'm not concerned about a nice house at all. Not that someone's concerned about a nice car. Not that someone's concerned about their beautiful husband, their beautiful wife, whatever, whoever it is, their lovely children. Not that someone's concerned about those things because all of those things can be nice. They can look good. The, the yard with those nice patterns in it, the diamonds and rectangles and everything else. Not that those things are bad of themselves, but at what point does God become the apple of our eye? At what point do we become so in awe of him? So just, uh, there's this craving, this yearning for God. At what point does this happen for us as people? I know there, there might be someone out there who hears this or listens to this, and they might not even feel that way. I knew, I've said it, uh, it's been a while, I think, since I've even said this, but I remember a time in my life where I thought, you know, 
do I really love God? Can I truly say, like, I, I, I genuinely love God the most out of anything? Can I genuinely say that and mean it? Not, not to sound good in front of someone or to impress someone because I walk around and talk about how I'm some Christian and this, that, and the other. Do I really, can I really say, God, I love you? Can I really tell people I adore God? He's the number one thing in my life. Really say that and mean it. I wondered that. And the answer was, I could not actually say yes to that question. I couldn't at the time. I couldn't. And so that's the question I have tonight. Deep down, is God really the thing you love the most? Or is it having a nice car? Or is it having a nice house? Or is it your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend or your children or whatever it is that you look? Is it the video games? Is it the baseball game, the basketball game, Michael Jordan, LeBron James? Is it any of these things or any of these people? Some people love the stock market. Some people love money. You talk about something that captures people's attention. You start talking money. And people start listening then. You start talking finances and money, business. People start listening then. What is it that's the apple of your eye? Now, make sure you understand me. I'm not saying a lot of these things are not fine. I'm not saying these things are not okay. But what I am saying is, is God above those things in your life? Is he really the apple of your eye? Is he really the one thing you can't live without? See, I've heard people talk about how they can't live without certain things. People talk about how they can't live without their phone. They can't live without making their own money. They can't live without uh, having their own space and There's so much. We say we can't live without. Look, I can't live without coffee. I can't live without playing my video game. I can't live without music. I can't live. There's so much that we would declare we cannot live without. But do you feel that way about God, though? This is not for somebody to come in and say, well, I know I love God. Asking for that. Just asking for us to do some self-examination. And ask ourselves, is God really the apple of my eye? Is he really? Or is it the spouse that I'm after? The the, the person in my life I'm trying to please? The the person at my job that I'm trying to please? My boss? Is that person the apple of my eye? Am I trying to? Look, (laughs) look, when people work a job, You'll see people do all kinds of soaking up, all kinds of pretending, all types of uh, (laughs) people act like they feel one way while the boss is standing there. And when they walk away, they really tell you how they feel. See, we do a lot of pretending as people. But, you know, when it comes to God, we cannot pretend he's the apple of our eye. He knows whether we truly love him that much. He knows if we truly feel he's the number one in our life. He told us, look, you cannot love mother, father, sister, brother, any of these people. You can't love any of these possessions more than him. I can't love the baseball game, the basketball game, the NBA 2K I can't love these things more than God. I can't love my pet more than God. These are some things that are okay. But they become wrong when they get out of perspective, when they get out of their rightful place, the proper order. See, I know when a person has a child, I understand people love their children. But that child still cannot become the apple of your eye above God. 
<laughs> you can still love your child. But I, you still have to love your child enough that when God says your child is wrong, you have to side with the apple of your eye. See, what happens is we do side with the apple of our eye and we side with the child. So that's what we're dealing with tonight. What is the apple of your eye? Is it really God? I know we've been to church. I know people have said, well, I've read this in the Bible. Somebody out there can say, I've read the whole Bible. I hear all of that. But is God really the apple of your eye? Is he? Or is he making money? Or is it making money? Is it your wife, your children? What is it? Is it just having this luxurious home? What is it? Is it traveling the world? It's fine to do all these things. But what is the most important thing to you? Is God the most important? Or does God have to fit around our schedule? Does he have to fit into our dreams and our aspirations? See, it might be my dream to go to the NBA. Look, it was at one point in my life, just like a whole lot of other uh, young children out there. I dreamt of going to the NBA out here, shooting all of these shots, missing, <laughs> missing all of these shots. And yet the devil still has it in my mind that, oh, you're going to make it. I haven't made a shot yet. Still trying to make one. <laughs> but what happens when I allow basketball, when I allow a sport to be the apple of my eye? See, you know, people will travel all over the world for a sport. Sports are fine. I like sports. Look, if you say, hey, Tony, let's get together and play basketball. If I have time, look, I would even get together with you. But, you know, even doing that, I'm still thinking about God. He's still the number one thing. If I never play basketball again, if I never do any of the things I might even enjoy again, God has still did me no wrong. I heard someone young, uh, some young guys, I was talking to some young guys one day, and uh, a guy loved football. He began to talk to me. See, you can tell what's the apple of people's eyes. He began to tell me, man, if I can't play football, I might as well just die. It has become the apple of his eye because we grow up. We're playing Madden. We're playing the football games. We're watching it on Sunday. See, it's taking the place of church. We're watching it on Sunday. We're watching it Thursday. We're watching it Monday. Somebody told me one time they wish they had these sports every day. It's the apple of someone's eye. They said, man, I wish we could just watch these games every single day. I wish there were no breaks. See, Who's willing to say that about God? See, once you start talking about God, they said, man, look, how long have they been in the Bible study? What are they? Uh, how long have they been in here? What are we, what, about 29 minutes in or so? Somebody's going to begin to look at this because it just isn't the apple of someone's eye. It's just not. But so that's the question for you tonight. Is God the apple of your eye? Are we keeping him there? Is he that important to us? So I want to look at a few things in the scripture because I've named some things. I've listed some things. But I want to show you them happening in the scripture. Let's run over to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 1. See, we accomplish a lot of things in life, and it's by the grace of God that we do that. It is 
his good pleasure to bless us with accomplishments, with accolades, with achievements. I thank God for the, the few things that I've been blessed to accomplish, things I don't speak of because I don't want people to look at me as if I'm some great one. I'm not. It's, I'm not. Just as fast as God blesses you with something and gives you something, he can take it away. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So sometimes God blesses us. And you know what? We become the apple of our own eyes. We start thinking we're so great. We're mighty. Look, a person goes to school for a few years. person starts studying something new. A person starts learning. Look, they become, uh, go off and they, they become high ranking in whatever their job is, whatever their field is. They might be in the military. They become a commander, a chief, or what? I don't even know all the ranks. A sergeant. They might become high ranking. Now they're proud. Scripture talks about people being proud, knowing nothing. That's what the book says. I can't allow any accomplishments. Look, I don't care if I'm the best basketball player on the court. Doesn't matter. What does it mean? That's not the apple of my eye. That's not where my attention really should be. Yes, at things in life, we should try to be good at them. Be the very best that we can possibly be. That's, that's the goal. But in doing so, you can't get caught up. See, read this here, Miller. Let's see what this is. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. See, someone has gotten sidetracked. Let's see what happened here, man. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? My God. Doesn't this happen to us? Who's the greatest? We sit around and debate and argue about who's great. Oh, Tony, he was better. He was a better keyboard player than so-and-so. Oh, that person played better. Who cares? Who cares? If it's not to the glory of God, if it's not about edifying him, if it's not about the people of God, what does it matter? The apple of our eye has now shifted. We've switched over into the wrong avenue. We've moved to the wrong place. Everything's about being the greatest. We look at cars. A person might love cars. They say, man, this is the best car out. And we'll argue and fight. Now, if you believe that this is the best one, that's okay. Look, if I say, look, a Toyota, that's the best car out there. If I say, look, that's fine. But you and I, we don't have to spend an hour arguing about this. Because at the end of the day, what does it really matter? What does it matter? So the disciples now, Jesus's people, came to him and they asked, look, who's the greatest up there? We want to know what people really stood out, a legend. See, look, this is the stuff. That <laughs> we want to go down in the history books. We want to go down in the Hall of Fame. We want to be on Mount Rushmore. We want to be declared as a legend. A hometown hero. <laughs> Lord, help us. It's about being great in God. Every time someone can point out how great we are at something, we should be talking about who it is that made us great. Don't allow the, the attention to be shifted into the wrong place. It's still about God. But is he really the apple of our eye? Is he really? Or is it this person or that person or this thing? Is he social media? You know, sometimes we're going to leave here, Mill. Sometimes people love social media. You know, when, when we start talking about doing what God says, oftentimes people start talking about what so-and-so said, what this person said, what that person said, what they read on Facebook, what they seen on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. Or I don't even know all the sites, but 
we start talking about what they said. You know, Jesus even asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? He wanted to know what they said so he can clear it up and tell them and find out what the disciples thought. And so he can clear up any confusion. See, there's confusion out there and God is not the author of it. We're confused. What should really get our attention? Look, Facebook is taking all of our attention. Look, people cannot be in church for a good five minutes. This is the honest truth. Without having to go and scroll Facebook. It's a habit. It is a reflex. Look, it's like one of news laws. This has been proven fact. It will happen. People will sit there. They can't help but go and check Facebook. They can't help but let me scroll through TikTok. Something, something else is the apple of our eye. This is what's happening. I'm not telling you getting on Facebook is a sin. I'm not. But at what point is what God have, have it, what God has to offer us? At what point is that the most important thing? See, when I get, I, I keep emphasizing this because God wants to show someone out there some things, some things that we thought we could not ever know because certain people are telling us, well, you can't know this. You can't know that. There's things that God wants to show you. He does. But in order for him to show you, he's got to get your full attention. You know, that's what happened with Moses. Lord, I thank you. That's what happened with Moses. God showed him a bush burning but was not consumed. And once Moses turned aside and gave it his attention, God began to speak to him. If you can just make God your focus, make him the apple of your eye, actually dedicate yourself to him. This is what's holding us back. This is why we're struggling with different things that it seems like we should be over by now. In our minds, we're wondering, why am I not past this yet? Have you really made God your number one? I know you've started working on it. We're working on it. And that's a good thing. But it's time for the next level. It's time to tighten up those loose ends. It's time for us to give just a little bit more focus to God. See, once I come into Bible study, I'm not talking about just mine. I'm talking about when I attend other Bible studies, when, I, uh, when I'm listening to a Bible study or hearing someone preach. Now, sometimes you might be busy. I totally get those times. But other times I'm trying my best to make it a point and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to focus because I really want to hear something. I want you to open my eyes to some things I never thought about. I want you to show me things that even other people can't see. And it's not because I'm special. It's only because I'm willing to give that attention. See, you have people out there. There's certain people who love attention out there. And you know what? They'll do whatever it takes. They'll say whatever, whatever has to be said just to get attention. They will cry out for attention. You know, the Bible tells us God is a jealous God. Don't you think he wants to be the apple of your eye? He said, have no other gods before him. Make him number one. Who's out there willing to do this? Something else has become the apple of our eye. To someone out there, our family name. That's what's most important. We say, man, I can't let our family name go down. I can't let the family tradition. What about the traditions of God? What about the name of God? See, once you go out and do something, you, yeah, you might bring some shame on your family name, but how much shame are you bringing on the name of God? How much more? We're talking about how we're Christians and doing things that we know we should. How much shame are you bringing on God? People talk about being disowned by their family. You don't want God to disown you. You know, I was reading in some scriptures some time back about 
um, God cutting people off. See, I've heard people talk about how they'll cut this person off and cut that person off and pretty much have nothing else to do with that person. I've did that myself before. But you know, when God cuts you off, when he cuts you off, the book talks about it. There's no more help for you. And he's a jealous God. So if he's not number one, you know, he's going to cut us off. If he's not number one in our lives, he's going to cut us off. Don't we feel that way about other people? We feel like we should have a certain level of importance to people. And when we feel we don't have that level of importance to them, we say, you know what, I'm done with them. I can see they don't care about me like that. You know, God is the same way. He's given us more than anybody else, more than any mother to any daughter, more than any father to any son, more than any grandparent to their grandchild, more than any job to their employee. God has given so much more. Why would he not be number one in our lives? God is blessing us every day. I mean, every single second. He's blessing us with things we don't deserve. He's blessed us and we have not even understood yet how he's blessed us. Just think about that. God has blessed you with things and is working on things for you that we don't even understand. We don't even see it yet. Just how he's blessed us. It's going to take some time. That's just how complex and just how incredible this is. That God has already blessed me in ways I don't even know it. There's some ways that I'm thinking, look, this was the worst thing that could have happened. And you know what? It actually ends up being the best thing. By the power of God, he stood in the beginning and declared the end. What a mighty God that we serve. We've got to make sure we keep him number one. You know, uh, I've seen people have signs. Uh, they'll have a, a big finger and they and somewhere on there they'll say number one fan. They'll have their favorite athlete, their favorite singer, their favorite musician, their favorite whatever, their favorite race car driver. Number one fan. You know, that's what God is wanting from us. The apple of our eye. To be his number one fan. That's what he's looking for. But you know what? We'll give it to everyone else. We'll give it to everything else. To some people, the job is the most important thing. But at what point will God take that place? I want to go and get something else, man. Let's run over. And we do have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, let's Um, go. Kiera asks, what does it mean when preachers say that they want, excuse me, what does it mean when preachers say that they want to leave a legacy for their kids? Well, I can't answer for all of those preachers. Um, So I really can't really answer that because I'd have to hear where they're coming from. Um, But I will say this, there's nothing wrong with that. If we're talking about how we're going to lead them and show them the ways of God, there's nothing wrong with that because that still points back to God. If a, if a preacher or just a, a person in the church, it doesn't matter if it's a preacher or not, if they say, you know what, I want my children to see God in me. That's the legacy I want to live. That's the life I want to live. There's nothing wrong with that. But if they're talking about my kids to see just how good I work, just how much money I made, and I want them to see that they can get out and work and they can succeed and make all of this money, it means nothing. It means nothing in the end. It'll be nice for them on earth. But David talked in one place about how he, 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 he almost slipped and went back into a worldly lifestyle until he seen all those people who were doing good in life 
but they didn't have God, it didn't end well for them. So if a person wants to leave a legacy behind that points to Christ, that's a good thing. That's what we should all be doing. I heard a man say one time uh, how he wanted to get a different job. And he talked, and basically he's saying what that question was. He said, I want to get a different job, some type of job that my children will look up to me. They'll be proud of their father. They'll talk about, yeah, he did this. He accomplished that. Look, that means nothing. The apple of our eye is in the wrong place. They'll be talking about how great he was. That's the question the disciples just came and asked you. Look, who's the greatest? Jesus had to straighten them out. Look, you got to come as a little child. You got to humble yourself. It's not about being great. It's not about your children looking up to how great you were. If it's not about how godly you were. If you were not teaching them the ways of God, it won't matter. This is what he's looking for. But so often we're, we're thinking about my family name. What type of job? I was wondering when the person told me that I'm wondering what type of job. What kind of job are your children going to be proud of? A doctor, a lawyer, a nurse? Someone in the military? What is it that they're going to be proud of? But you know what? To be honest with you, there's a lot of doctors that are going to go to hell. There's a lot of people in the military, a lot of nurses. Whatever job we look at, a lot of CEOs, whatever job we look at with prestige and honor and dignity, I'm not telling you all the people who work those jobs are going to be lost. But the point I'm making is there's somebody out there in, in those fields that are not saved. That's the most important thing. You can be a, a, the person riding on the back of the garbage truck, picking up garbage every day. People, one of the people that are looked at as the least in this world, a janitor. Someone that cleans homes. You, you can be looked at as one of those people, but you can still be saved. It's not about how people are perceiving us. It's about how God perceives us. It's about what God thinks about us. So there's people in all fields, people of all colors who are going to be lost. I want to be in the group of people who are going to be saved. It doesn't matter to me, look, if I cut grass for the rest of my life. If I'm a doctor, it doesn't matter. If I cut grass, it doesn't matter. If I play music, it doesn't matter. If I drive truck, it doesn't matter. If I mop floors all day, whatever it is, I just want God to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Look, you kept me as the apple of your eye. Enter in. You've been faithful over a few things. Look, I'll, I'll give you many things. That's what we're out here looking for. We want many things. We want a nice house. We got any other questions, man, before I try to move? It was on the question. We did have a few other comments, though. Okay. Let's move. Let's move here. Let's move, because if we don't have any other questions, I want to get one other thing. Run over. So Matthew, go to John first. John chapter 2 and verse 20. See, I want to show you one last thing. John chapter 2 and verse 20. See, certain things are becoming the apple of our eyes. Look, <laughs> I know what iPhone was doing. <laughs> apple. They put an Apple logo on the back because it's the apple of somebody's eye. It has become the apple of someone's eye. Technology. Their phone has to constantly post some pictures, let somebody see. Look, it has become the apple of someone's eye. But we won't give that time to God. Pick us up in John chapter 2 and verse 20. I want to look at one last thing here. Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building. And what thou... 40, hold on, that's all I need. 46 years. This temple was built and it took 
46 years. Look, that's a long time. If you set out to build a house right now, you don't want it to take 46 years. <laughs> you do not want it, that house to take you 46 years. If it starts to take that long, along the way, you'll say, man, forget it. By year 10, by year 5, you'll say, man, forget it. By year 15, by year 20, 25, you'll say, I'm done with it. Don't worry about it. 46 years it took to build that temple. So that tells me now, this temple had to be nice. Now, I understand technology was not as advanced as it is now, back then. But this had to be one of the finest establishments that was back there. Built by King Solomon, who was rich. He had all types of resources, all type of money to invest in this beautiful temple. I believe that's what they call the, the porch, the gate. Beautiful. <laughs> they said it was beautiful where the man was healed. That It was beautiful. What was beautiful was that man was healed. But something happens. Material things start to become the apple of our eyes. Go over, Melvin, to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 1. Remember, it took over 40 years to build this thing. Beautiful building. It becomes the apple of people's eyes today. We love a nice building. People go to the churches just based on how nice it looks. We don't know what they're preaching and teaching. We don't know if they're teaching the true word of God or not. But that building looks nice. Read for us, Matthew 24 and 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Same temple now. The temple that took, what, 46 years? Read for us, Mel. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. <laughs> they came to show him how beautiful this building was. See, that's the reason they came. They came to show, look at how nice it is. They got the pool back there. Look, they got a pool inside. Look, they got the indoor gym. You can work out. Look, it's 24-7, anytime fitness. Snap fitness. At any time, we can do this. Look, we've got the dining hall. We've got the place over here where we can sit down and eat. We can fellowship with each other. We can have a good old time. We've got the kitchen back there where the people work so hard. It's nice. Look at the bricks. Look at these chandeliers that we've got hanging down from the ceiling. It's nice. This building is so nice. But you know what? The, this buildings, possessions, things, they're good. But we've got to keep them in the right place. Look, I look, I, I, lo I love a nice house just like the next person. But I've got to keep it in its proper place. Look, I know a nice house don't mean anything. It's nice, and I'm going to appreciate it and respect it. I'm going to love it and cherish it. But it's not more important than God, than the people of God. I can't mistreat people because of a house. I can't mistreat people because of a nice car, man. You're messing up my nice car. Now I want to run you or put you out on the street. It's raining <laughs> because you got a chip stain, hot Cheeto stains on my nice car, my brand new car. Now I've got to put you out in the rain. I said, man, I don't care how you get there. You can walk. These things to cause me to mistreat people. It has now become the apple of my eye. Look, that's the thing that Jesus told us. He said, love one another as I've loved you. Do you think Jesus would put somebody out of a car because they got chips stained on them? Do you think he would? He said, you know what? Because you got in here eating those chips and I told you not to. I'm done. And he kicked, he, he opens the door. And he presses the button that shoots the person out of the seat, <laughs> like in the movie. Do you think Jesus would do something like that? But well, we will. We say, I told them they shouldn't have did this. I told them they shouldn't. 
How many times has God told us to do things that we did not do? We, did, we were disobedient. But you know what? He still never hit the button to parachute you out of the car. He didn't hit it. He still kept you in there. And still asking you, won't you just put the chills down? I, won't you just do what I asked you to do? He's still asking us nicely, being patient and loving towards us. But now what has happened here? Because my time is running out. My time is pretty much out. What has happened? It has now become the apple of someone's eye. How nice this has been. Man, look at the technology in here. Look at the fancy screens. Look at the reception area, the, 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 the place where you walk in, the foyer, the lobby. Look at all these nice things. Jesus wasn't impressed by any of them. You know, that's what I keep trying to get people to understand. It's good for us to go and establish churches around the world. It's good for us to spread the gospel. But what are we going to do for one another is more important than that building. We're so focused on giving money to the church for a brand new building. Oh, we've exceeded capacity. But what are we doing for one another? It's not about how nice this building is. Look, it's built 46 years. That's good. That's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, look at what Jesus said really quick. Let's see what he said now. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. It's all going to be destroyed. I don't care how nice the building is. It won't stand the test of time. It's going down. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Just like we are. It's going down. Every day, look, the older you get, knees start hurting more. Vision starts getting blurry. Start getting tired when you used to not be tired so much. Problems start taking place. Seen a man uh, the other day had um, knee replacements in both knees. We start wearing down. And you know what? That nice car, that nice building, those nice clothing, they start to wear down. And so, you know, we should keep these things in perspective. God needs to be number one. The building can't be more important. The car, the house, the clothes, my name, my family name, none of that can overtake God. Jesus was not impressed by that building, even though they came way from where they were. They said, look, Jesus, we want to show you something, man. You're going to love this. Just wait till you see it. Somebody said he's raining on their parade. <laughs> he's being so negative. <laughs> That's what people say, man. Oh, he's being negative again. He said, you know what? It's not one stone. All of this is going to be destroyed. Don't you see this? The building is not the most important thing here. Love one another as I have loved you. God bless you guys at this time. I pray that we would keep God as the apple of our eye. I know there's some nice looking things out there. The Eiffel Tower, uh, the, the Statue of Liberty. But there's some nice things out there. The Arch in St. Louis. Look, I haven't even seen a lot of beaches around the world. I haven't seen a lot of islands. I've never been to Mexico. I've never been to the Bahamas. I can assure you that they're nice from the pictures. And I'm sure the pictures don't even do it justice. But you know what? Out of all those beautiful things, God still is number one. God bless you guys. At this time, I'll turn it back into the hands of Melvin. Thank you, Minister Banks. Uh, we do have a few more comments. Um, Cynthia says, praise the Lord, everyone. And Kim also says, praise the Lord to all. Praise the Lord to you too, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we had Kiara with her question. Um, Tony answered earlier. Kim also says, God should be the apple of our eye. Uh, she also says, we should not allow distractions to take our eyes off of God. And that is definitely true because that's uh, one of the main things the devil does. 
Um, a lot of these things are nothing but distractions. Um, I share uh, it's something similar to Tony. He said um, his dream was to be in the NBA a while ago, and I had that same aspiration. Um, I remember being on a high school basketball team, and I made Kobe Bryant my idol back then, not even knowing that God was not okay with idolatry. But I remember every free time, every second of free time I had, I was watching videos on him. How can I be like him? I remember getting in trouble a lot of times in, in games. A coach would yank me out and say, boy, you are not Kobe. And but but nobody could tell me anything. Oh, I was going to get to the NBA. But I just thank God that um that along with a lot of other things that I wanted to do didn't work out because it was just a distraction. Um I, I was going to church back then, but wasn't even paying attention in church, wasn't paying attention in Bible studies. And who knows if I ever would have found myself trying to learn about God the way that I am now, had I been successful. And that goal, not even that goal, but in a lot of other goals that I had going on. So as I like to say a lot, be thankful for the things that didn't go or that didn't work out your way, because later on, you'll be grateful for what God had planned for you over what you had planned for yourself. It's like our parents growing up. They tell us to get off the game. They tell us to be home a certain time. They whip us when we get out of line and we hate it in the moment. There were so many times where I said, man, I can't wait to get out of this house and be on my own, not knowing all of the responsibilities that I had to deal, that I have to deal with without my parents' money or without my parents' um, guidance on things. So now I can look back later and say, mom, dad, thank you for those whippings. Thank you for grounding me, for punishing me when I didn't do what you said or I didn't do the right thing. And that's the same thing with God. Um, in one place, he says he chastises those that he loves. He corrects us because it's not his will that any of us should perish. So we just need to get on track, get on board with what um, God says for our lives. Because um, as Tony mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter what, any, what anybody else thinks of you. That's one reason a lot of us want to do right, but we're afraid of what someone else may say. We're peer pressured into doing something that is not of God when his opinion is the only one that matters. I'm reminded of the verse that says, don't fear him who can kill just the body, but fear him who can kill the body and soul in hell. So that's all that I have to add. And I think there is one other comment. Yes, there is. David says, praise the Lord, everyone. Hope you're having a great day in the Lord. And I apologize if I've missed anyone's comments. Um, it's been acting kind of um, crazy. Um, so I'm just trying to check all of the pages individually and I don't see any more. So thank you to those who have commented. Um, let's see. We have we have Vernelia, Cynthia, David, Kim, and Kiara. Thank you guys so much for the interactions and the questions. And as I always like to say please ask questions we you never know who else may have that same question now or 10 20 years down the line if these videos are still somewhere on the internet so as i always like to say my weekly reminder to you guys we do have zoom bible studies every monday at 7 p.m central standard time we would love to see you guys there and all and also as i always like to say rejoice in the lord always because today's tribulations are tomorrow's testimonies count it all joy Count it all joy. And another time for the people in the back, count it all joy again. So if the Lord blesses and says the same, I'll see you guys next Thursday evening with another topic coming straight from the word of God. You guys have a happy, safe, and blessed weekend. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our weekly Bible study podcast. We hope you enjoyed this evening's message. My name is Melvin Corners, here along with Minister Tony Banks. You can catch these Bible studies live on Facebook every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at facebook.com slash jmsbible. We have Zoom Bible studies every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Also, check out our website at jmsbible.com. There, you can listen to all of our in-person, Zoom, and live stream messages along with every scripture we've ever covered. Lastly, we have been getting a lot of questions about how people can donate. We have finally opened up a cash app if you find it in your heart to leave a donation because running these Bible studies takes money, which Tony and I have been paying since we first started. That name is Dollar Sign Joy Storm 12. 
We appreciate each and every single donation, no matter how small. And remember to rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you.